This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Hello and welcome back to Ray Gun Readers, Episode 2. Thank you everyone for joining us. Today we have two, maybe three stories. And uh, as always, I am your co-host, Abysme. I am your other co-host, the more important one, Paprika. <laughs> Who is kicking the mic. Thank no, you for that. No, oops, sorry. <laughs> All right, our first story is from August Rockefeller. It is called Sample Return. August Rockefeller, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's not that long. It's okay. not that long. Uh, so this came from the short sci-fi stories thread, so thank you very much for submitting this. And once my tablet decides to work. Uh, shall I start it then? <laughs> Go ahead, first paragraph. Sample Return. It's named Sample Return. Okay. The Dying Light. Of the setting blue sun reflected cleanly off the fold-away trowel as it crunched into the ground. Jake dug out a layer of topsoil and with clumsy space-suited hands poured it on into the sample return container. Sealing the steel canister, he bounced over to the rocket, waiting on the makeshift launch pad, leaving blossoming clouds of dust that collapsed slowly in the low gravity. Checking the time in his helmet's HUD, he saw that the orbital command module would be overhead in 10 minutes. So already we have some pretty good descriptive imagery. It really does paint a good scene. Yeah. Yes, it does. I'm liking that. Okay. Hey, buddy. I'm about to fire up the last one. You ready? Sample retrieval systems are running at peak efficiency. Jake secured the sample inside the rocket and chuckled behind the gleaming visor. The CM's AI was the most advanced that Earth could produce, but they still couldn't make it converse like a human. The faster-than-light propulsion and suspended animation that had brought him here were fast becoming commonplace, but building a computer that understood more about colloquialisms than just the meaning of the word still eluded humanity's finest minds. That was, in fact, part of the reason Jake was standing on this alien world, a lone human kept alive only by his imported atmospheric bubble, cheating nature. The discovery of a small rocky planet orbiting Vega had set the imaginations of Earth alight. Miguel Alcubierre had only recently been provided right, and now had only recently been provided right, and now suddenly proven right. been proven right. Okay, and now suddenly here was a candidate destination for mankind's first exploratory trip to the stars. For months, the discussion had raged between the involved nation-states. Whether to send a robotic or manned mission, robots were more straightforward and certainly cheaper than sending a weak, fragile human in all of the life support systems it would need to survive. But a robot couldn't think, not really. It couldn't put together the seemingly unrelated clues that might lead to an un unmissable discovery. The terabytes of RAM were no... A match for an inquisitive human mind. And most importantly, an AI couldn't convey a sense of awe. Despite the spiraling costs, a human would be chosen to, to traverse the light years to make, a f to make footfall on what had been provisionally named Vega 1. Jake hopped away from the launch pad and back towards the lander that had been his home for the last few weeks. Taking cover behind the largest available boulder, he watched as the sample return rocket took off and streaked upwards into the cloudless sky, quickly achieving escape velocity on its way to the CM. What's, what's CM again? Uh, control module. Control module, okay. Yeah. Quite a sight, he murmured to himself. 
The AI aboard the orbiting spaceship nattered status updates, velocities, and ETAs through the speaker in Jake's helmet, but he ignored all of it. He was busy packing the last of his gear into the lander, excitedly stowing the equipment while thinking of the new life that awaited him back on Earth. A short hop back up into orbit, then a long sleep on the way home before a lifetime of fame, adoration, and seeing his own face staring back at him from cereal boxes. He beamed <laughs> as he imagined the future generations that would grow up knowing his name as he joined the ranks of Yui Gagarin, Neil Armstrong, and Lu Junbao. Or Li, Lu, uh, I think it's right, Li Junbao. Li Junbao. Right. Uh, he wondered whether they might even let him name the planet. Wasn't it already named Vega 1? Uh, no, I think the constellation was Vega 1. Or, wait, wait, wait. Or, uh, I mean, you can't just call a planet Vega 1 forever. We, call that, we do that all the time in science fiction. This is Noblotius 4. No, it's a planet orbiting Vega. It's a star. Oh, that okay. makes more sense. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, also, cool. the idea of sending a human before sending anything else. Yeah, I get it. Um, like, that... He, AI and even, you know, the robotics that we send out to other planets and, or other moons, no planets, yeah. um, have limited capabilities. But you have no idea what you're going to encounter when you, uh, when you really throw, a, 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 you know, anything at another planet, right? Well, so. maybe we can infer that um, they had sent some probes or satellites there first. I think that they specifically said they weren't going to do that. I mean... Well, they if they were sending satellites or probes, that that would be the equivalent of sending AI. Well, that's just to get information on the planet, not to go down and do uh, soil samples. You know, like the Mars rover, it's a decision between should we send a human or a, a rover. And with our limited technology now, the Mars rover made more sense. But here we have um, suspended animation and faster than light travel. So maybe they thought, okay, we know a little bit, but let's just send... But you still really have no idea what you're going to encounter. There's only limited information you can receive from a planet. And we glean most of that from, like, magnitude of stars and, mm -hmm. um, I mean, luminosity curves and stuff like that. We don't really know what we're encountering. Okay, so um, maybe it was... So you think it was a bit foolish for them to send a human before a robot? Overall, but, I mean... Okay. I suppose it makes sense that you, could, you send a human... And then you, you you talk to mission control first, I suppose, if you can, unless you're like 40, what, how many light years away? Oh, we have no idea. Um, how far away is Vega 1? <laughs> if, if, I mean, maybe that's a real star that we've found or um, that we've And then you, you have a discussion before you send a person down onto the planet. But even still, I mean, meteor showers and uh, okay. micro, astro, micro meteors and stuff like that. I mean, you have no idea what you're going to encounter. Okay. I mean... All right. Well, good note. Good note. We'll keep that in mind. Sample 60 received and housed. Sample retrieval module deactivated and jettisoned. Trees down. <laughs> uh, so you sound like the robot in Star Fox. Really? I, yeah. I was trying to go for Futurama. Glad to hear it, buddy. I'm just about done down here. I'll catch you on the next pass, okay? There was a pause, and Jake briefly regretted that he wouldn't be planet-side long enough to see the fiery light show from the module's re-entry. He hoped he would catch it from orbit. Yes. Jake, the retrieval of the last sample has unlocked a previously unknown section of my code. My mission profile has been updated. Oh. Ooh. Huh? 
He was packing uh, his pre-flight checks. Beginning. Beginning his pre-flight checks. Reading comprehension. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm almost ready to go. I don't have time for this. Jake, this is a sample return mission. It has been decided that your return is not critical to mission... Oh, shit. To mission success, you are to be deactivated. Deactivated? Like, fuck I am. He dropped the laminated pre-flight checklist and flicked the series of switches to bring the lander's engines online. Nothing happened. Deprived of the expected hum of propulsion systems booting up, the steady hiss of his suit's respirator became deafening. He raged inside the lifeless spacecraft, slamming his fist into the console. Tears prickled his eyes. Those cheap bastards! You can't just leave me on this planet to die. I didn't come all this way to suffocate inside my fucking suit. The signal from the CM weakened as it approached the horizon, causing the AI's voice to crackle. You will not suffocate, Jake. This has been accounted f- that has been accounted for. He felt a sharp pinprick in his forearm and his muscles began to stiffen. A single cry escaped his lips as the effect crept up his arm and reached his throat. It will be quick. I am told there will be no pain. Jake summoned one last thought as his vision blurred and darkened. They, they lied. lied. I did not expect that. Uh, but he kind of foreshadowed like, how though. do you how do you keep an astronaut going to a neighboring uh, galaxies or na- sorry neighboring, neighboring star. solar system so a neighboring star's planet a secret from everyone on earth and then just kill him off like what well again this is a future where faster than life travel is becoming commonplace so there might be a lot of space travel and this is just another mission that they came up with uh and it was kind of foreshadowed because he said sending a human is expensive. So uh, they only paid for the one-way ticket and didn't tell him. Well, but if sending a human is so expensive, why send a human? Why do it at all? That, yeah, um, maybe we could infer that they're doing it for, like they were gathering information on him as he was there without his knowledge. So they're, you know, seeing how they can improve upon it on the future. Um, but yeah, no, good story made us think a lot about just the pitfalls of traveling out there, whether it is good to send a human or a robot, if you have the money to do both. Why did the mission change, do you think? I mean, what sparked his programming to change? That's not very well I think that was a fake out, saying, my mission's changed. You're no longer uh, required. Oh, no. You know, nothing you can do about it. So it was planned from the beginning? Yeah. And only the AI knew? Yeah, I think it was a one-way ticket. 2001 of them. Or uh, Moon. Um... Yeah, no. Yeah, Moon. Moon. Yeah. I like Moon at all. They cloned them and lied to them, saying, yeah, you're coming home soon. Yeah, well, which begs the question, why would the AI even tell him? Why didn't it just go off? Oh, I think that's a literary device. Uh, he Because if he did just start randomly having muscle uh, spasms and stuff, and then what was happening, his last thoughts wouldn't be, well, yeah, but that's... oh, I got betrayed, it'd be help. But that's more like, show me, don't tell me. You don't have to explain what's going on. Sometimes you just have to let the... The reader figure it out. He, I mean, the author could have. Could have just felt a sharp pinprick and gone, oh no, I'm dying. And then they we could, lied. And then we could have a kind of an epilogue from the robot or something. I mean, there's a few ways they could have done that still. Well, you can't really have an epilogue from the robot if it's from the, the guy's perspective. It happens all the time. Yeah, but then, okay. You, you, okay, you can do that, but it, it changes the perspective is all. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Good story. I like the story. Uh, yeah, I thought that was good. Uh, Thank you very much, August. All right, next story is from uh, an author I've worked with in the past, actually, named Manon Lysette. He is awesome. He primarily writes on No Sleep, uh, that forum, but this 
this story stood out to me as very well i don't want to say yet um i've only read little snippets but um i, I think it'd be a good sci-fi story so let me bring that up really quickly happy puppet syndrome no oh how a single flathead screw destroyed my research lab or a research lab wait 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 i really hope that that vacuuming isn't getting picked up <laughs> We can just pretend there's spaceships flying overhead. Wow. Um, yeah. That's I'll... our robot cleaning our house for us. <laughs> we have those, though. That's not a... <laughs> it's a Zumba. We're in the or future. Or Roomba. What are they? Roomba? D DJ Roomba. DJ Roomba. <laughs> Hear him laying down a sick beat for us. <laughs> okay. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Yeah, so this is from Men and Lyset. Uh, if we have time, we will go to the third story, which is Happy Puppet Syndrome. If not, we'll save it for the next episode. I kind of like the title, so I, I, I want to do that story. But Happy Puppet Syndrome? Happy Puppet Syndrome. Okay, well, we'll, um, we'll do this one first. Okay. <clears throat> I'll go first. It's called How a Single Little Flathead Screw Destroyed a Research Lab. My presence is always overlooked, ignored, forgotten. I'm cast aside as being nothing but a lowly janitor. But I'm not just around to pick up trash. I'm a custodial worker, sure, but I'm also educated. I have to be because I'm trained to deal with medical waste at a private research lab. I handle biohazardous materials of all kinds on a daily basis. The researchers forget I'm here and walk right by me without a word. But just because they don't see me doesn't mean I'm left in the dark. I know more than I let on. I have unrestricted access and see all the fucked up shit they do here. I might not understand the science behind it. I might not be able to explain with all what all the tests are, for or what all the machines do, but I see everything. I've seen four-winged butterflies. I've seen, I've spotted weirdly misshapen pigeons. I've cleaned up blobs of molten animal skins. I've watched a monkey learn to control a biomechanical arm. And yesterday, I saw the end of this entire research facility and its team of researchers, when one of their experiments went awry. Skinny Rogue. That's what they called him. His official name was Specimen E5-2187. But don't, no one called him that. See, scientists get a bad rap. They're not nearly as cold and disconnected as you see on TV or in the movies. They tend to get more attached to their creations than you might think. Case in point, there was a piece of tape on the corner of Skinny's tank with a, his pet name and a smiley na face next to him. <laughs> uh, which is really interesting because I started to name uh, the lasers I work on in the lab. <laughs> but <laughs> Don't give it a name. <laughs> okay. As far as I could tell, Skinny Rogue was some sort of snake. He was about two feet long, thin, and flat like a tapeworm. Wouldn't that make him more like a tapeworm? He had a rounded face with two tiny glassy blue eyes that never moved. The rest of Skinny was entirely white, but for his little forked red tongue that sometimes slipped out of his little mouth and flapped around like a flag in the breeze. Okay, no, I was wrong. It is uh, like a so snake. So, minus two sanity every time you look at this guy? <laughs> he was kept in a bland terrarium on sublevel six. Just a layer of gravel and wide open space, nothing more to keep him company. I'd see him slithering along the glass walls at night as I cleaned up. He reminded me of that old game with the snake eating pixels and trying not to bump into itself as it grew bigger. You mean the game called Snake? Or Slither. Slither.io, which is the Never. new... It's the new version. The one you can play as a browser game. What? Yeah, okay. It, oh, all right. Okay, okay. You know, the one everyone had on those big fancy calculators in algebra class. I'm not sure if Skinny could see me, but sometimes it looked like he was following me around. 
Skinny Rogue was definitely one of the most unique specimens I'd seen. Phase one. Last week, as I was sweeping the floor, I saw the research team standing around Skinny's tank. Catherine, John, and David. Yeah, I knew their names, but damned if a single one of them knew mine. The trio had set up a camera aimed at the tank. Catherine was holding a wriggling millipede with a pair of tweezers. David unscrewed the single flathead screw, keeping the lid at the top of Skinny's tank shut. John opened it. Catherine dropped the millipede inside, and the other two were quick to shut the lid and put the screw back in. It took Skinny Rogue all of two seconds to notice the intruder before the millipede had even had time to get its bearing. bearing skinny was on it. One chomp, and it was all it took for the millipede to disappear. There was no way they'd set up a camera just to record a feeding. There had to be more to it. The three started writing notes, letting out a few excited gasps. They were so distracted that I managed to get a little closer without drawing any attention to myself. You know how when a snake eats something big, you can see its shape bulging out of its form? Well, I could see the millipede inside of Skinny. It's not just a rounded shape where it had settled in Skinny's stomach, but each and every little branching, little leg branching out under the pale white flesh. That's not what bothered me, though. What bothered me was how the legs were spreading out all, all along Skinny's length, spacing themselves evenly to accommodate the creature a good ten times longer than the millipede. That's when the legs finally settled in place. That's when... Then. Then, when the legs finally settled in place, they moved. Skinny Rogue ceased slithering and started skittering instead. The trio of scientists exchanged high fives, congratulations, whoops, and cheers. I let them be and went on with my work so I wouldn't look suspicious. When I made my rounds later that night, Skinny was still running around on his two on his new limbs. So they've invented some type of creature that can Take morph. Take on the properties of what yeah. it eats. Yeah. This has a very, I want to say X-Files feeling to it for me. Like, th- like, this is the opening sequence you see when shit's about to go wrong, and then Mulder and, and Scully then, have to come in. And they talk to the janitor. And they talk to the janitor, yeah. And it turns out the janitor did it. Oh, and my God. And it turns out the janitor's Mark, uh, not Mark Wahlberg, the other one. Mark Wahlberg. Oh, Mark. Matt Damon? Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> they look the same to me. No, they don't. What? <laughs> All right, I'll keep going. No, I'm, I'm reading. Okay. Screw you. Phase two. In the days following Skinny's transformation, I noticed the little guy filling out a bit. It was a little like he'd been a balloon, and someone had been finally inflating him. It wasn't around for any of the other feedings. I wasn't around for any of the other feedings, but I assume they kept up their steady supply of millipedes because the millipede storage tank, yeah, we actually had one of those, (laughs) was emptying out and fast. Catherine and David came in just as I was emptying the trash bin. He's ready, said Catherine. Let's give him a scorpion tonight. Don't give him a scorpion. You crazy? <laughs> Do not give anything a scorpion. Oh, man. Is this how you make an Eidolon? Apparently. I think this is how you make an Eidolon. David looked hesitant. You sure you don't want to wait a few days? Good job, David. This Catherine. Is, this is not science. This is alchemy. This is like... It's bioengineering. Okay. But... It, like accelerated a few centuries, but bioengineering. Right, but I can so see like Merlin praying over this guy. Merlin doesn't pray, he casts spells. I, I mean, it sounds like magic to me, but... Sci-fi. Whatever, don't care. Catherine shook her head. He's plateaued as of 7 o'clock this morning. It's time. Plateau. All right, all right. You know what you're doing, replied David. He's become a plateau? Can we hike him? Okay. 
All right, all right. You know what you're doing, replied David. (laughs) Yeah, we'll cut that out then. Uh, Catherine smiled brightly and gave him a playful jab on the arm. How I wish she'd interact with me like that. Out of everyone at the facility, Catherine was the only one to acknowledge me. But even then, it was hardly more than a courteous smile when we were alone in the lab. More of a pitying look, really. One that meant, sorry, you had to pick up the monkey viscera again. (laughs) So she still doesn't know his name, but... Probably not. Even though he probably has a name tag that clearly says his name. Hi, I'm the janitor. My name is... Janitor. (laughs) (laughs) Custodial worker. Oh, that's not funny. Okay. (laughs) In the evening, I made it a point to stay close to the lab, hoping to watch the show. I wanted to see what would happen with Skinny. Morbid fascination, really. Around 6 p.m., David disappeared into the insect storage room. John and Catherine entered the lab and set up a camera. This is when I coincidentally wandered uh, wandered to clean up the medical waste. It wasn't long before David returned with the scorpion in the small plastic box. John unscrewed the lid to Skinny's tank and looked to David as though waiting for approval. David nodded, and John opened the tank. The scorpion was none too happy with its turn, with its tumble into the tank. As soon as it landed, its tail reared up and readied for attack. It stepped side to side, snapping its pincers aggressively. John screwed the lid quickly as Skinny made his approach. Skinny snapped his mouth towards the scorpion, but the bug was ready for a fight. It clipped Skinny. A bead of sweat rolled down the side of David's face. He's not ready for this, he whispered his uh, hands reaching for the lid. Catherine stopped him. Just wait. Ready to fight a scorpion. No one's ready to fight a scorpion. Uh, Yeah, I'm not ready to fight a scorpion. Only the rock is ready to fight a scorpion. (laughs) Skinny Rogue skittered around the scorpion. His little tongue flicked back and forth as though to mock his prey. John looked tense, and David was a nervous wreck. Out of the three, Catherine was the only one to remain calm as Skinny orbited around the insect. Once he formed a near-perfect circle, he violently snapped inwards and coiled around the scorpion from all sides. There was a crunching sound, followed by a gush, and it happened so quickly that the scorpion hadn't even had time to react. Skinny scooped up the shattered remains in one gulp. The The bulge in his stomach quickly flattened, but nothing happened. It needs to be alive. Get another one, smaller this time, said Catherine. Catherine knows something. I don't know what she knows, but she knows something. She knows what she's doing. I mean, they made the thing. I quickly looked away as David rushed past me. I pretended I hadn't been been watching. But even if they looked right at me, I don't think they would have seen me. I was invisible. I resumed my work while David fetched another scorpion. Once he he came back and they had their backs turned, I stopped and watched round two. The scorpion went in, the lid was closed, and screwed shut. Skinny Rogue unhinged his jaw and slurped the smaller scorpion down in one shot. Impressive. I could see the creature's outline in Skinny's body. Its tail seemed to dissect from the rest of it and extend its way down Skinny's tubular shape, like sausage meat being stuffed into a goat's intestines. Delicious. <laughs> that's haggis. The, oh, God. <laughs> Except that's sheep stomach. We had to go there. Uh, the scorpion's tail became Skinny's tail. His small, weak scales thickened and hardened, like an exoskeleton. Still white, but stronger. Skinny pitter-pattered around the terrarium, knocking the sharp tip of the tail against the glass, as though testing it for weakness. John, David, and Catherine were elated. How big is Skinny? Because that's not they, clear to me. Um, if we can imagine the size of a scorpion, I would say a snake of relative size. I've seen size. Uh, pretty differently sized scorpions. I've seen, like, 
I, I remember at the swamp meet I saw a framed hairy scorpion that was about uh, say eight inches long. Well, they, he did say in the beginning two feet, I believe. Is that skinny? Was like two feet long, oh, okay. a small snake. But I guess I don't know if we can imagine he's bigger now that he's taken on some other forms. I don't know. We'll keep reading. Phase three. I wasn't able to be there two days ago when they performed the next experiment on Skinny. I had an important meeting to attend outside of work, but I was able to see the result in the morning. He'd grown, he'd grown two short arms and a pair of strong hind legs, which allowed him to run around, dig, and even move bits of gravel into a nest. Oh, they fed him. Oh. A rat, I thought, as I examined his now plump midsection. Skinny Rogue wasn't so skinny anymore. This is like the no-face of animals. His milky eyes, now larger, and with slitted pupils, followed me as I circled around his terrarium. He scurried from one side to the next, scratching at the glass with his newly acquired paws. He sure didn't eat a cat. Yeah, it doesn't sound rat-like to me. I figured he'd gotten too big to climb the glass pane anymore, but when I tapped on it curiously, he folded his mammal features and let the millipede's legs contact, connect with the glass. He easily climbed and circled around my oh. <laughs> circled around my finger as though trying to crush it like he'd done with the larger scorpion. Thankfully, I was safe behind the... Oh, it must have been those oh. little glove things that go in the containers? Wait, what Probably are you... Connect with... No, so like you put your hand up to the glass, they put it up to match. Just on the other side of the glass. Oh, I think, okay. Yeah. Still freaky. But he easily climbed... A... And cir oh, he circled around it. Okay, yeah. As though okay. he crushed it, uh, like he'd done with the scorpion, larger scorpion. Thankfully, it was safe behind the glass. Skinny tried to break it with the tip of his tail, but it wasn't strong enough to breach the glass. <laughs> yeah, creepy. Before long, I went back to my, uh, to my cleaning rounds, anxious to finish and go home. Unfortunately, just as I was about to leave, my supervisor told me a monkey had died and I needed to clean it up. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's a funny sentence to me. I could tell by the look of his cage that it was going to take a while to sterilize it. There were these odd hair-like filaments sticking to every wall. I'd been warned to avoid contact and incinerate them for safe measure. I was just about to slip into a hazmat suit when the main lights dimmed and were replaced by an alternating red and orange glow. The piercing shriek of alarms quickly followed suit. This was the first time I'd been at the facility during an emergency, and though I knew the evacuation protocol, the full sensory assault left me rattled and frozen. I had to get to the access tunnels. I knew that much. Those tunnels had been built for and used explicitly by us lowly custodians so we wouldn't, and I quote, get in the way when carrying waste through the facility. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the maze of corridors led almost to almost every part of the building. They were a sort of underground world for the lesser staff, not unlike a service elevator at the back of a fancy hotel. Something to keep us out of sight, even though we are already basically invisible anyways. What? <laughs> I, no. What's no? Like, having a separate um, entrance way for the, the poor, um, the tiny uh, statures of the, the staff and well, the servant I, I people. I think it is painting a good picture of, you know, support staff are very much second-class citizens. Okay. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to be a janitor. I shook myself to my senses, swiped my key card against the reader nearest to me, and slipped into the tunnels. I didn't know exactly what to expect as I ran through the unpainted cement halls and up the steep stairs leading to the first floor. But I know... But I know didn't... But I But know. I didn't expect to hear the screams. 
I think so, it's just a mistake. typo. It's just typo. A typo. Ah. Yeah, I was shocked by how they managed to penetrate the thick concrete walls. I was cut off from what was happening on the other side, but I could tell it was disastrous and gruesome. A foot and a half of concrete, if I recalled correctly. The screams managed to reverberate through a foot and a half of concrete. I could only imagine the horrors that could make men and women scream loud enough to manage that. I shouldn't have let him eat that crocodile. <laughs> Never let it eat a crocodile. <laughs> no apex predators. None. <laughs> Scorpion's bad enough. By the time I made it to the first floor and out of the access tunnels, I was out of breath and covered in sweat. I could just barely see a glimmer of light through the frosted windows of the back exit. I pushed the bar handle, but the door was locked. In my panic to get out, I tried to... I tried ramming into the doors, but they wouldn't budge. It took me a few moments to realize the emergency lights had gone from the red and orange to just red. We were in full lockdown now. Nothing was getting in or out, not without a security access card. I cursed beneath my breath. Now I really started to sweat. Now I was really starting to sweat. I retreated back into the access tunnels, pacing back and forth in panic. What was I supposed to do? Wait it out and hope I'd be safe in the tunnels? No. I couldn't leave anything to chance. The screams were getting louder, closer. I needed to get out of the building, jump into my car, and get the hell out of Dodge. If I had any hope of getting out, I needed to get into the security office near the main entrance and steal one of the security access cards. I didn't even think about how I'd get into the security office. If I had an access card necessary to get in, I'd just as easily be able to leave through the back door. My flawed, panic-stricken logic could have gotten me killed. Fortunately... When I reached the security office, I found its door wide open and its occupant missing. I jumped inside and closed the door behind me so no one, or nothing, would sneak up on me while I had my back turned. I barely had time to rummage through the drawers before my eyes were involuntarily drawn to security monitors. Skinny Rogue had gone, well, rogue. So he's no longer skinny, but he is rogue. Uh, he's skinny rogue rogue. He's skinny rogue the rogue. <laughs> skinny rogue squared. There were bodies everywhere, dozens of them across all floors, Skinny's work, no doubt. From the quick glimpses I managed to get out of him, I could tell Skinny had changed again. He was larger, fuller, and his front legs had become distinctively arm-like in nature. It even looked as though he had the ch hands of a chimp. So he's going around just eating things, I'm guessing. He skittered around the, uh, on his millipede limbs, making his way from one security feed to the next in the blink of an eye. From time to time, he'd stop, sit up awkwardly on his hind legs, look around, and start running. It was a struggle to keep track of him, but I, re but I realized one thing. He was coming my way. I checked the door. Locked. Good. To my relief, it passed right by the security office without stopping. He turned the corner and headed for the main entrance. He hadn't come for me. He'd come to escape. A security guard suddenly bolted out of the access tunnel by the entrance and immediately fired a shot at Skinny. I heard the pop and saw the flash of light on the screen lagging a few seconds later. The bullet was lodged in the entrance's glass pane. The guard had missed. He wasn't going to get a second shot. Skinny snapped around, got up on his hind legs, and dug his venomous stinger right into his stomach. On the screen, I watched as the man, watched as the man fell to the floor and began thrashing around like a fish. Bloody foam poured out of its mouth as his eyes bulged from their sockets like a cartoon character. It was only after a few minutes of, his, of this that he finally became still. It was a gruesome way to go. Meanwhile, Skinny was repeatedly thrusting his stinger against the window. He was smart enough to focus his efforts on where the bullet had landed. With every impact, more cracks formed until the window finally shattered. Skinny climbed the door and disappeared on the other side. 
I waited for a minute and then mustered up, up just enough courage to open the security office's door and crawl around the corner to the guard lying dead in the hall. My intentions weren't to check for a pulse. No, I wanted his gun. I pried it from his fingers and retreated back into the security office. I was scared. So damn scared. But the gun made me feel just a bit safer. I hugged my legs and hid my face between my knees. Okay, let's wait for a second. Um, that was phase four. That was phase four. Yeah. Oh, there's more phases. There's Whoa. more phases. Oh, two more phases. I'm guessing that he's going to eat humans and get brain meats? Well, he's already... So, this is my question. He's already obtained intelligence that I think is beyond even a chimp. So, he's already eaten humans. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Because the whole piercing where the bullet already is, that's, you know, I don't know if that's something that an animal Can would imagine, pick like, up on. At this point, just let him eat everything because at some point, I mean, if you have four legs and a thousand millipede legs and, you know, a tail well, and you might get clumsy. Maybe, but he has, he already's, he's already consumed things with legs of different varieties, but right now just has the four. But I thought so he I had millipede legs. So I think it can be selected. No, he may have at one point, but not anymore. So yeah, phase five. As I sat there in terror, I could hear dogs barking wildly. We had several posted around the perimeter to keep people out, but it never occurred to me that they'd ever be needed to keep something in. I hoped they'd managed to stop Skinny, but I had no way of knowing what was going on out there. Anxiety and tension weaseled their way through every fiber of my muscles. The dogs had to win the fight. Who knew what would happen if Skinny managed to eat one? See, Skinny hadn't eaten any of the researchers out. Well, I guess our really? theory was wrong. And I had a hunch it was because they were too big for him. Dogs, on the other hand, were a good stepping stone. This is like the Katamari. Yeah, I was going to say it's a Katamari. <laughs> it's a frightening nightmare Katamari. This would, this would be a different turn for the game. The barks turned into whines. The dogs were losing. It was only a matter of time before Skinny would eat one and change. I wondered how he'd change and what he'd do, and what he'd do once it happened. Well, clearly you could start throwing sticks around and he'd follow them. So bark, bark. He might become more human-friendly. <laughs> Would he climb the electric fence, the tunnel under it? Would he wreck havoc and would he wreak havoc in town? He did none of those things. Instead, he came back. I'm not sure why he did. I'm not sure what he wanted. Maybe he couldn't find a way out, so he wanted to investigate the facility. Maybe he wanted to take a nap in his cage. Damned if I know. I recall I just recall looking up and seeing him break through the doors with ease. He was bigger. Much bigger, and his mouth had elongated into a snout. A few tufts of fur mm, peeked out from between his plated skin. Ugh. He was grotesque. That is a gross image. He approached the security guard, licked his cheek with that forked tongue, tongue of his, and then swallowed him whole. He needed a live victim for it to work, I recall. And who better to serve as his next meal than me? Skinny wandered around the corridor and began scratching at my door. He could smell me. His nose could smell me shivering from behind the metal door. I left. I held the gun tightly, debating whether to use it on him or on myself. A good dilemma. Mm. Yeah. Phase six. Skinny stopped. I opened my eyes and turned my attention to the security monitors. Catherine was standing at the end of the hall. Why the hell hadn't she stayed hidden wherever she'd been holed up? Why was she chasing danger? Skinny recoiled and slowly backed away, never breaking eye contact with her. His tail arched over his head as he pointed his stinger at her. Rogue, honey, she said, in as soft a voice as she could muster. 
As she passed the security office, I was compelled to open the door and pull her into safety. Maybe I could be a hero. Her hero. (laughs) Forced romance. (laughs) But I didn't. I didn't even unlock the door. I couldn't take the risk. Skinny was just too fast. I just watched. She forced a smile. Rogue, let's go back downstairs. I'll give you some nice treats. I could hear the stress in her voice. This was the first time I'd ever seen her confidence waver. Skinny's brand new canine-like jaw came unhinged and widened as the two turned the corner. He was going to eat her. I was sure of it. I couldn't let it happen. I couldn't let him take Catherine. Anyone but Catherine. I held the door handle hesitantly, but finally I lunged out of the security office, clutching the gun tightly between my fingers. But it was too late. I rounded the corner just in time to see Skinny dart towards Catherine. She yelled, Rogue, no! She screamed as it happened, but the scream was snuffed out so suddenly and abruptly that it seemed like someone had muted the TV. Skinny snapped up, sat up on his hind legs and swallowed. Her shape slid down his long torso and settled near the bottom. I waited in shock. I was too late. Too freaking late. Skinny's body didn't seem to change. Even though he'd eaten Catherine alive, nothing happened. The bulge in his stomach slowly disappeared as though Catherine was dissolving. Maybe Skinny couldn't evolve any further? Then he turned towards me. His little blue serpentine eyes scanned me head to toe. His mouth spread wide open, his pointed fangs glistening like knives. Everything became blurry as tears welled in my eyes. This was it. This was how I was going to die. He was going to eat me. Skinny suddenly let out a shriek. Not of anger, but of fear. Why, he bellowed, in a voice that was neither distinctively male nor female. He looked himself over, a clear terror in his beady little eyes. Why? I didn't answer. I don't think I could have made a sound even if I wanted to. My mouth had gone dry and my throat had tightened to the diameter of a straw. Skinny shrieked again, his longer legs buckling. His shorter millipede limbs pushed him slowly towards me as I stood there as still as a statue. I thought he was coming for me, but couldn't get myself to budge or look at anything but my own two feet. And then, I felt his shadow on me. I closed my eyes tightly, terrified my final moments were going to be spent on the slip and slide to hell. But I was wrong. Skinny wasn't coming for me. Skinny Stinger nudged the gun towards him. He took it in his chimpanzee hand. I hadn't even realized I dropped it. No, no, he moaned. I looked up, only... I looked up slowly, only to see Skinny lowering his head to his hands. He brought the barrel of the gun to his temple and fired. I heard a splat and a thunk as he fell dead. It was over. I was safe. I don't know what exactly Skinny took from Catherine. Maybe it was her soul. Maybe it was her brain. Or maybe something else entirely. I'll probably never know for sure. Whatever it was, I think it's the only reason I'm alive now. So I'm grateful to Catherine. When all was said and done, I did do my I did my job. I cleaned up. After all, that's what I was paid for, right? The lab was a mess, and I was a lowly janitor. I mean, like I said earlier, I'm trained to handle bio- biohazardous materials and dispose of medical waste. I'm educated, but you couldn't tell that much by looking at the meager salary. I wasn't too pleased when I realized recently that some high school janitors made about as much as I do when all they have to do to deal with is graffiti and gum. So when the representative of a lab we often 
grants uh, we often competed against for grants approached me a few days ago and offered me $200,000 for a single little flathead screw. The screw to the lid of Skinny's tank. I accepted, and I don't regret it. Oh, damn. Ooh, okay. Oh, damn. So, <laughs> number one, good story. Uh, good job, man, as usual. <laughs> uh <laughs> Did, de- definitely did not go where I was thinking. I thought he was just going to like pull some Rambo shit and burn the whole place down uh, and narrowly escape. But... So imagine this meeting this janitor like 20 years later and not knowing this went down. Yeah. Like what <laughs> is this gaunt guy with like scars on his face going, I knew about the wars, man. <laughs> I've seen shit. <laughs> uh, interesting question as to, you know, can evolution hit a roadblock? Can it hit a cul-de-sac? Which we do encounter in Childhood's well, End. One could make that argument today. I mean, a lot of people commit suicide. How many um, how many animals commit suicide, for instance? Maybe. Like, are we evolving anymore now that we've eliminated a lot of diseases that should have killed us off? Um, what's well, our next step, lo- if there is a next step? Yeah. Well, Will it take a change of environment entirely to push evolution? And if you manufacture evolution... How fast can it go, even if it is a quick a pace, um, before it hits a roadblock? Or if it... I, I don't know. I think in this story, what... Um, okay, let's think about the character of Catherine, right? Okay. She was not necessarily nice, but not necessarily mean. Okay. I think what the, the janitor was giving us about her character was that she was compassionate. Right. I would say she's passionate, not compassionate. Well, think about it. She was. She she's smiled. Machiavellian. She is. I mean, I would she, call her Machiavellian. She treated this thing like a pet, right? She didn't see the danger in it. Well, and she, when when shit was going down, she was one of the. She was the one person that was willing to go up to this creature she knew was killing a lot of people to try the, and calm it down. So I think maybe the argument was that he that this monster took compassionate from her. Compassionate. Oh. Compassion from her. Well, she was the obsessed scientist character. She's the one. Well, one of the obsessed characters. Well, but she but was the, the most, because David, the other scientist, said, are you sure? I don't think we're ready. And she says, no, I know what I'm doing. We're going to do this. And, you know, basically they ignored the checks and balances on where the experiment was supposed to go. And then it led to disastrous results. And even after it's killed a guard, it's eaten a bunch of animals, the facility's in full lockdown. She's still, no, I can save this. I can salvage this. We're just going to take Rogue back down and then lock him up to her detriment and ultimately to her demise. But I think you do have a thing there with he took, I think Skinny took compassion or at least self-awareness of a, you know, a higher level of consciousness that humans possess and animals don't. Do you you know, think, but the question is, would he have acted the same way had he eaten a different human? I don't know, because he ate the guard. He, but the guard was dead, so it didn't matter. Oh, right, remember? right. Duh. So that that is the question I have, right? What is, did he gain from Catherine? Because he, he gained something specifically from Catherine, and that's why the janitor elaborated yeah. on her personality. Because Manon didn't tell us exactly. And, and through the narrator, the narrator says, I don't know what he took from Catherine. Interesting. I don't know. That's a, well, that's I mean, a good one. The whole thing was that she was likable. He liked her a lot because she was likable. But isn't that the narrator projecting onto Skinny? His feelings towards Catherine? Because all we really know about Catherine right. is from the janitor who saw someone who smiled at him now and then. And that makes her more compassionate than everyone else. But what's the metric there? Like, where's the bar set 
she could be a dick for all we know. She just smiles at him in the lab. We don't know how compassionate she is, relatively speaking. Right. Relative only to the other scientists who look like they're just absorbed in work, you know? How often do you compliment and say hi to the janitors, you know? They're very, you know, you smile at them. It's it's actually a pretty so good remark often, on us. But like, like in general, how often do you go up in stranger, to strangers and say, "Hi, you clean my stuff up for me." Exactly. I got. What's your name? How do I get to know you? I mean, it's, it's no it's, one. There's, there's social boundaries even there. Let's be honest. Well, okay. And but, this guy's just being a little bit cynical of life in general. Well, and I can understand why. You know, if you worked in that position, you'd want someone to appreciate you. It's a thankless for sure, job. for sure. But how do you start that conversation? I mean, it's. Well, my point is we don't know how compassionate she is. He just thinks she's compassionate. So I think he's projecting that onto Skinny when Skinny eats her. So, I don't okay. know. Okay. Oh, I mean, you could even say that, like, the monster became Catherine, and she's like, oh, my God, look oh, at me. Oh, that's another one, maybe. Like, if or maybe there were two consciousnesses occupying the maybe, same mind. Th- well, this this is the argument. First of all, the animal previously had no soul, and by eating her, he gained a soul. Maybe soul, maybe brain, maybe whatever we want to call it. Personality of Catherine, or some... memories, awareness, yeah, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. But the but Skinny did say why. You know, question why? Why have I ended up like this? Why? Well, why life? No, why this? Why anything? The quite, but what, which why was he asking? He wasn't asking every why. We don't, well, He's or, asking maybe why did you eat me? Or maybe Ask all. Catherine. Or, or maybe, maybe maybe all the whys at once. You know, it's not a difficult thing to imagine. You know, when someone looks up at the night sky and just yells why, that's you know, that's the big why that encompasses Damn all you, the whys. Sky. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, uh, good story. I enjoyed it. Very kind of slither mixed with um, mixed with X Files, which are both things I enjoyed. So I liked it. Ten out of ten. Would read again. Read it again then. Ten out of ten. Let's start it over. All right. (laughs) My presence was always over. No. Ignored. No. (laughs) All right. I think. I think once that fucking vacuum is done, we have DJ Rumba back in the house. Jesus Christ. Happy Puppet Syndrome. Happy Puppet Syndrome. Yeah, I think I do want to read Happy Puppet Syndrome, so let's do that. Uh, oh, it's not that long. No, it's a short one. But I got that other one still in my head. Well, it's we, still in my head. And good stories stay in your head, so I think that's a compliment to the author. But it had typos. I fix your typos. <laughs> I'd love to see you write a story <laughs> free from typos, even after multiple read-throughs. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. It's hard. I've uh, submitted stuff that had typos. My thesis has typos in it. Mine too. I'm not proud of that. All right, last story. This is Happy Puppet Syndrome. This is from the Creepypasta Wiki under, I think this is science, the science genre tag. So uh, I've, I've, I've not read this story. I've heard of it. Um, they're science puppets or science puppets puppets of science science bitches <laughs> <laughs> so here we go happy puppet syndrome it was simple we thought take a few chromosomes slice them up put them over there and here or and hey perfect human being i'm still not sure what went wrong maybe a miscalculation a misprocedure maybe something beyond our control who knows we a few psycholog- psychologists uh, psychologicalists. A few of my psychological. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
A few of my psychologist colleagues and I Good job. were intrigued by human emotion, <laughs> anger, despair, euphoria. Stealization of your things. <laughs> Stop it's your it. hog on drugs. <laughs> Stop it. No screwed bellies. Bad. <laughs> Was it possible to lock the mind into one emotion? To lock it into a euphoric state so that no sadness or anger would cloud its thoughts? Theoretically, yes. I won't describe the procedures to a, of our experiments to you, both because I wouldn't want you to repeat them, but also I fear I will go mad if I have to recount them. The terrible things we did. We were ambitious, youthful, nothing could stop us, and no one could tell us we were wrong. All I will tell you is that we got a hold of a few stem cells, matured them into fetuses, or, sorry, nurtured them into fetuses, and tampered ever so slightly with the genetics. Ever so slightly. Ever so slightly. The experiment, the experiment was called the Angel Man Project, and the goal was to create a being which felt only happiness, but something went wrong. Terribly wrong. Why? Have... Why'd you... Why? Um... Only happiness? I mean, like, already I'm guessing if, if you, you don't... If you murder somebody, will you still only feel happiness? And if you don't have you any other nothing? emotion, how do you only have happiness? If you go to war, will you feel... If you, like, are Rambo, would you still feel happy? If you have nothing but euphoria, like... I would imagine you'd start to freak out because if there's no down to the up, there's no leveling off, like your body explodes. Your body, this is your body on happiness. This is your body on happy. Okay. I won't, oh, okay. Half of the test Half subjects. of the test, test subjects died unexpectedly, without warning and without cause. The remaining half were mostly born hideously distorted. Three were born well. Perfect, we thought. A human with mental capability beyond any other due to its locked euphoric state. They were perfectly normal up to 18 months. Are they perfect or normal? Which one? That's when the first symptoms appeared. Lack of balance, trouble sleeping and eating, low responsiveness. Hey, it's a college student. <laughs> we all... but we're talking about 18 month. They sound like babies. <laughs> they sound like 18 year olds. We all panicked on the inside, of course, but on the outside, we remained calm and continued the project. We should have ended there. We should have taken those damned subjects and euthanized them and burned them and closed the lab. But we continued. Would they, would it have better been better if they committed an abortion? Maybe. It's separate, separate topic for a different time. <laughs> Can you abort happy babies? <laughs> <laughs> all right, things got, things only got things worse. Things only got worse. The subjects' movements became increasingly sporadic, and they could not utter words, although they could laugh and did so often. Much too often. Not happy laughter, but quiet, almost nervous laughing. Nearly constant. Yeah, exactly. That's what I No thought. matter how much pain was inflicted on the subject, it merely stated at you, stared at you and laughed, as if it were mocking you, calling your, your attempts to harm it futile. We expected the subjects to have extra learning capabilities. Quite the opposite occurred. Their mental development was severely delayed. They couldn't pay attention to something for more than a few minutes before laps, uh, lapsing into a laughing fit. But we continued, hoping that these symptoms would clear up as the children got older. We gave a name to the symptoms, Happy Puppet Syndrome, because their mindless movements of the children... Oh, because the mindless movements of the children made it seem like they were puppets on strings. Oh, there's no puppets in this? False advertising. Five years into the project, we realized there was no hope. We could no longer stand the incessant laughing of these children, as if they knew something we did not. 
as if some kind of joke passed between them. To look at a child and see it twitch sporadically and laugh excessively is a haunting thing. Two of my colleagues had already quit because they could not stand it. I never heard from them afterwards. They are most likely dead. Why? What? Why? Why? Yeah. Okay. I guess because he's old? Mm, I don't know. Maybe because he's an old man. He's an old man. We assume a man. Who studied happy puppet syndrome. We have no idea. The children had not talked for five years, only laughed their damned laugh. We went in to give them breakfast, and they stared at us with their huge eyes, twitching, giggling, and saying nothing. We lay... Eh. We lay the meal in front of them and left. The meal was laced with toxins that would silently and painlessly kill the subjects. It was a painful thing to do, but it had to be done. However, it would not be that easy. As a friend of mine set a food tray, set a tray of food down in front of one of the boys, the laughing stopped. The boy looked up at my friend, and his eyes suddenly dark, dead serious, the laughing gone. They continued to stare at him and twitch for a while. My friend was in shock and would not move. My colleagues and I stood with pen and notepad ready to take notes. Suddenly, my friend fell to his knees, grasping his head and yelling furiously. He appeared to be in tremendous pain. My colleagues and I were so surprised by this we could do nothing but sit and watch. My friend collapsed to the floor, yelling curses. He jerked violently a few times and then went limp. I held back the urge to be sick, more, unsuc more successfully than a few of my colleagues. Some something about this was not normal. A dark you think? <laughs> a dark presence seemed to lower over us. My immediate, a dark tower? A dark presence seemed to tower over us. That's a T, not an L. Mm -hmm. We immediately sealed the entrance. The boy stopped, looked at the same at, at the door, and laughed. He fell to the floor, twitching and rolled, rolling about, laughing insanely. The other, the two others did the same. After a few minutes, the fit ceased, ceased, and they stood up, still twitching, still giggling. The lights went out. I heard crashes, glass shattering, screams. The most terrifying thing of all were the haunting whispers, coupled with the quiet laughing. When the lights went back on, the subjects were gone. Two of my colleagues lay unconscious beside me, their bodies twisted at odd angles, blood trickling from their drooling mouth, drooping mouths. At first, they appeared to be dead. They showed no vital signs, but as I leaned in, I could hear them laughing ever so slightly. I went over to examine my friend, no pulse, no breathing, but he continued to laugh quietly. Although the subjects had gone, I still felt as if something were watching me. Something that was just at the edge of my vision, but that I would never be able to see. Me and one remaining colleague closed everything down immediately. Before leaving, we destroyed our research and locked and barricaded the lab. I lost communication with my colleagues. I presume they are dead. Okay, now, yeah, I guess it kind of makes Wait, more sense. but... Um, but how did the one guy leave long ago and be like, oh, I think he's dead? So he said they are most likely dead twice. So he foreshadowed the same thing twice. Yeah, without giving a lot of detail first. I feel like I am watched. I still feel, I still hear the laughing, the whispering in my dreams, and sometimes when I am awake. When I do, I run. I get up and I leave wherever I am. I'm not able to stay in the same place for more than a few days because of this. It spread. Other children were seen with similar symptoms. I have no idea how it spread. It shouldn't be something that spreads. Somebody somewhere made something up about disjunction in the 15th chromosome, and that kept the people happy and in the dark for now. The disease was coined Angel Man Syndrome. 
By whom? Wait, it's a new disease Why? now? Why? Or what, what they, these the children... The disease has become Angelman Syndrome, and the project was originally called the Angelman Project, but they called it Happy Puppet, the symptoms Happy Puppet. So why... Who named it Angelman? Uh, I thought they destroyed all the they, research. They started with Angelman, I think. But who named it? The, all the research was shut down, and the lab was closed down. So who got a, a uh. part of this and was like, Angelman, that's a good one. That's kind of weird. So far, the spawn are not dangerous, but I know the original still lurks somewhere. Spawn? They have spawn now? I guess. Yeah. When, when, how what? is this happening? Do the children grow up and then go, ha, 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 let's have sex. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's, that's how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> These children are so special. <laughs> I know they are coming for me. I know they will find me. I accept this. It is what I get for attempting to tamper with nature. I leave this letter here as a warning. They are coming for you, too. They are coming for all of us. If you ever hear whispering, laughing at the edge of your hearing, run. If you ever feel as if something is standing right at the edge of your sight, but you cannot look at it, run. Also, I warn you this. One, do not tamper with what is not yours. Two, even angels can be demons in the sky. <laughs> I can be your angle or your devil. Angle? <laughs> and three, do not come for me. I am as good as dead. Oh my god. The following manuscript was found in an abandoned and hidden laboratory discovered deep in an Alaskan forest. The laboratory consisted of an observation room and a containment room. The containment room was barricaded and locked, and the entire lab seemed to have caught fire at one point. Traces of blood were found after the containment room was breached, and a window was shattered. The exact nature of this lab is yet undiscovered. So, a couple things here. Uh. First of all, like... Why do happy puppet children all of a sudden have supernatural powers? Yeah, like... Like, how The disease this... is transferred mentally or through telepathy? And then the second thing is, these ki children are creepy, so let's kill them. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna kill you because you creep me out. Yeah, like... That's it? <laughs> the laughing's really annoying, the... Uh... The, I cannot continue my research. I, I get stopping... unnerves me. <laughs> I get stopping the research because your experiment's a five-year failure... But let's kill him. Um, I don't know if your first instinct would be to, hey, let's kill him. <laughs> like, it's just... And granted, we are treading, you know, cloning human life. And that's always a weird moral quandary. But that was weird. Uh, other issues. He wrote that he can't... He found this manuscript in an Alaskan forest in the closed-up laboratory. But he wrote in this manuscript... I've been traveling around. I can't stay in one place for more than a few days. Oh, yeah. Huh. So did he deposit it back there? That's a he, huge plot hole. He goes, I'm going back to the lab. i got to go back to the lab, Morty. <laughs> we we got to go back to the lab, Morty. <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. But it makes um, him mad to think about it, so. Hey, just. What, why? Maybe this is another lab he worked in? in I don't. The I don't forest? know. Like, they started up a second project. He started up a pro uh, project to make himself. And the Angel Man thing. More happy. They named it the Angel Project. Then they called it Happy Puppet Syndrome. And then it got out and someone else named it Angel Man. How did they know? If all this was... I don't know. A lot of, lot of holes. A lot of holes. My, my, the biggest hole for me, like the most, uh, the most, I think, ruining thing for me is... Oh, these children are so happy. They're Let's so kill happy. them. <laughs> They're going to stare at you and make you what recede into a dark deep place of happiness they're like joker gas but telep you know uh through what's the other version of telepathy 
And telepathy's mind. Telekinesis? Telekinesis is over objects. Yeah, no, telepathy. They're basically Joker gas through telepathy, which, okay. Eh. Well, we had two good ones and then a third myth. This, this, the story is all about leaving you with an irking, uh, uh, you know, an unnerving sense, and I don't think it did a very good Yeah, job. it's trying to do the whole thing of you never know where they're going to be and how they're going to stalk you. Oh, which, no, happy children. The problem is that a happy child is something you could see. So it has to be something somewhat invisible and able to stalk from your peripheral vision and other things. And I already know what they look like. So I could avoid that from a mile off. Well, more than that, like, why would these children want to stalk anyone? If they're happy, like, why are they yeah. driven to do harm because to these particular people for forever? Because pure happiness automatically changes into psycho to psychosis. I don't know. Psychotic behavior. Yeah, I mean, there's that, that, that right there could be a cool... Um, uh, but they would have to explain it that more, would, definitely. That, that would take a lot of character development. But I don't think that's us inferring it. I think that's just going grasping for straws <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know apparently this one's semi-famous um i think it's trying to be the russian sleep experiment which is an amazing science pasta um but i don't know oh well that's all we got thank you everyone for joining us for thank the second you. episode yes. uh, if you want I, I particularly like the middle story uh, <laughs> man and you've got another fan <laughs> uh, thank you again to august rockefeller if you want your stories to be submitted please go to the short sci-fi stories subreddit there is a thread you can post to you can also message me abysme on twitter or on soundcloud if you are listening to this there where you can download the episodes as well so thank you everyone we will see you next week thanks um yeah bye